Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, where we reveal short stories of an active, living God who shows up in everyday life. You paid the price for all the world to me. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. 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 Oh, I wish they Welcome back for podcast number two. Lisa and I have been working on the website and we fixed the login feature for leaving comments. Thanks for encouraging us via Facebook to keep us going. We really appreciate you sharing our Facebook posts with your friends. You know, we want to keep things short and stay true to our name so that you can quickly download the podcast to your smart device or listen online. We're also working to make the long story short blog be as valuable as the podcast themselves so that we can combine the best of both for you. Lisa and I listen to several podcasts each day and it has become a main channel of news, information, and learning for both of us. And if you're like us, you know the growing movement away from traditional radio as audio moves more and more into the digital space. People are embracing podcasting so they can enjoy content that is meaningful to them when they want it. You know that we think of Long Story Short Podcast as an intimate window where we draw closer to one another and see ourselves, neighbors, and friends through the lens of what God is doing in their lives. God made us for relationship, and we pray that this format inspires you to perhaps listen to the podcast together as a family or with friends. Maybe it can be used to inspire a devotional or help support activities in your small group. Americans used to regularly gather together in close settings and tune into their favorite radio show back in the day. But even if you don't do that, we hope you'll sense the intimacy of the personal stories by hearing from each person as they tell it in their own words. The most enduring radio shows still on the air today harken back to that image of intimacy in shows like Prairie Home Companion with Garrison Keillor and this American Life with Ira Glass. Podcast number two was recorded right here in our living room. It was a beautiful, cool autumn evening, and we had the doors and windows wide open with the breeze flowing through as we listened to our storyteller begin. And being that we're in Minnesota, we had a large gaggle of noisy geese fly directly over our house. You know, our guest didn't even skip a beat. He just kept on going, which was really cool. We didn't want to edit that out or retake the recording because we want you to envision sitting on a comfy couch next to our fireplace while propping your head up on a pillow and feeling the breeze and hearing the geese fly over as the story opens on the other side of the world. In our second podcast, you'll meet our friend and neighbor, Chris. He and his wife, Joe have three adult children and currently live in the Twin Cities. He has a degree in law and a postgraduate certification in education. Chris has served the Lord in several nations over his 30 years in ministry. Born in the United Kingdom, but recently naturalized as an American citizen, Chris is currently the CEO of North 
American-Azerbaijani Partnership, or NAM, N-A-M. That's a religious nonprofit that educates, connects, and consults for U.S. churches and agencies on ministry opportunities with the 40 million Azerbaijani people around the world. Boy, it's really difficult to zero in on just one or two themes from his story. It's packed with everything from questions of eternal life to doubts, fears, and complaints to God. At times, his story even suggests the spirit of a psalmist who wrestles with deep questions of life. And then God meets Chris in an extremely vivid and almost unsettling way. You know, Brent, it makes me think of ways God has unmistakably spoken in our lives and in our marriage. I can relate to some of the same things Chris describes. We all go through dark seasons, wondering where God is. There are questions and battles, but when he graciously speaks into our brokenness, it's like a flood of water in the desert. See if you can relate to some of the themes in Chris's story as well. Many years ago, in 1998, we were working as a family in a country called Azerbaijan. I had been heading up a church-based relief and support program for people who were in the psychiatric hospital of that city, and for some of the babies and the abandoned children in the children's home who had been given up for adoption or for care because their families could not financially support them. At that time, Azerbaijan had nearly one million internally displaced peoples from the conflict with Karabakh that dated back to 1989. After a difficult time in England, we had just returned back to Azerbaijan and the city I was working in, which was called Genja. My mother had just died at 60 years old, and I and my whole family were feeling the loss. I was particularly plagued with a fear of not knowing whether she really knew the Lord Jesus and truly followed him. Life had been difficult for her in recent years. Family breakup, divorce, followed by the loss of her own mother, had hit her very hard. She had not been the joyful, energetic person she had been, and physically she seemed to be deteriorating quite alarmingly. After what seemed a protracted time of fruitless tests and investigations, it was determined that she had contracted cancer, and a little after Christmas 1997, she died around 60 years old. Our time in England, then, covered her last few months. After that time with the family in England, we returned to Azerbaijan, and I found myself haunted by the questions of where she stood with God, what her faith in Christ was really like. She had attended church regularly, but seemed unaware of things that to me were a central part of our faith. I was concerned that perhaps her faith was not founded on the things it should have been, Along with our work to the vulnerable and poor of the society, we had seen a small church begin in this Muslim country of very few believers, and about 40 or so people were meeting in our home each week to hear from the Bible, worship God, and seek His face in prayer. In some ways, this was a wonderful start and a breakout of new life. It seemed all the more to jar with the pain and the concern I was struggling with regarding the death and the eternal condition of my own dear mother. One part of my work required me to visit the capital city, Baku, fairly regularly, and usually this would mean a six-hour bus journey there, and then the same back. 
I had already spent a few days in the capital and I needed to get back home. And so I decided to ask one of the bigger NGO agencies there with a headquarters in Baku and a base in Genja if they had anyone who would be driving up to Genja that day. Thankfully they did. And so I set off with my trusty driver Rafik through the desert road up into the southern part of the Caucasus Mountains heading west to Genja. In those days I was often quite morose and somewhat down. And when I considered the situation and the questions I had, these things laid heavily on my mind regarding my mum's death. Was I not in the faith enough? Did the prayers I offered for mum's healing just bounce off some kind of impenetrable wall of heaven? What business did I have serving the call of God and preaching the resurrection power of Christ when I had to stand by and ineffectually watch my own mother fail and fade till she passed? In the midst of these rather grim musings, driving along the bumpy road, I heard a voice as clear and as strong as could be. She is alive, and she is with me. I was shocked, perturbed, and, and shook. I, I looked over at Rafik, the driver, who was staring forwards with no sense that he had heard anything. It came again. She's alive, and she is with me. By now, a wave of emotions flooded over me. Disbelief, confusion, anger, incredulity, all clamoring for attention in my heart and mind. And I was turning to gaze at the hot, arid scrub, masking my emotions, veiling the disquiet that was overwhelming and hoping upon hope that Rafik had not seen the tears welling up in my eyes. I had to fight not to speak back as audibly as I had heard, but it was hard. I spoke in my own heart to God, not wanting the driver to be concerned for my sanity. I said, Lord, how can this be? I knew the voice of the Lord was speaking to me, but I was so shocked at this word, and I was struggling to understand it. Clearly, Mum could have turned to the Lord at any time, repented, recognized that which she had been so close to her whole life. In my emotions, however, I, I began to formulate a complaint with God. Why had he not told me sooner? I had suffered for three months by now, and perhaps those around me had suffered too with my moods and my depressions and my sadnesses. Why did he not tell me sooner? In my heart, I asked this, and his answer was almost as Surprising and shocking to me as his first words. He said very clearly, You need to know how precious people are. I nearly gasped out loud. My mother was one of the dearest people to me, as is no doubt true of many of us who walk the earth, and yet God had used the death of my mother to help me understand something I perhaps had not before. What is the true worth and value of each and every one made in his image. I was struck by guilt and sadness that I, with all that my life had supposedly been about, had still not come to understand this one very important fact sufficiently. People are so very precious in God's sight. I asked the Lord, would he confirm this was really him? The message and the delivery of this message was so hard for me to bear. 
he came back in a flash with a phrase. Genja will greet you with rain. I immediately felt guilty and a bit ashamed that I had asked. Did I not know the voice of the Lord? Was this not compatible with all I knew about Father God? I regretted the request immediately, but God, in his graciousness, did not seem phased at all. Perhaps he even longed to make this word so real to me beyond any doubt, and let me know that this was clearly a word from him. The sun was beating down on the road, and the horizon was cloudless and dry as we moved on to Genja. <laughs> as we came in sight of Genja, I saw a cloud. As we came into Genja, the clouds darkened, and as we pulled up to our home's front door, it looked very close to rain. In those houses, there is a courtyard in the middle of them, and as I entered that yard, I called out to my wife. She called back, Welcome home, honey. As she did, the rain began to fall, and so did my tears. Shine, you wish you lie.